Happy New Year. For me, AB, I'm Matt Pellish, and this is Office Hours. As we dive into 2021, hopefully refreshed at least a little bit from the holiday break, and optimistic as the vaccine rollout continues, many colleges and universities are turning their sights to the future. How can they thrive in the new decade ahead? One such opportunity is through partnerships, and namely, corporate partnerships. Exploring this topic, we're joined today by EAB's Max Milder, our expert in professional and adult education, along with Dr. Richard Irwin from the University of Memphis to talk about the school's unique collaboration with FedEx, offering employees, even those without a high school diploma, a guided pathway to a college degree. They'll discuss some other partnerships with Nike and Lebanon Healthcare that have led to benefits for all parties involved. And finally, Dr. Irwin will share his tips for launching corporate partnerships, along with the pitfalls to avoid that can weaken some support for such engagements on both the university and the corporate sides. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Office Hours with EAB. Welcome, everyone, to Office Hours with EAB. Uh, I'm Max Milder. I'm a director with our research team, and uh, my primary focus area is supporting our university partners in the world of uh, online and continuing education, and uh, a big area of focus recently has been around uh, corporate and employer partnerships. So. I'm so pleased today to welcome Dr. Richard Irwin from University of Memphis uh, to join us to talk a little bit about his own experience building out these types of uh, employer partnerships as well. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Irwin. Thank you, Max. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, share our work. So maybe as a place for us to get started, would love to understand a little bit more about your role with the University of Memphis and, and Global. Yes, uh, I have the privilege of serving as the executive dean for U of M Global, which is the online portfolio or the online division at the University of Memphis. We have over 100 uh, degree program options available online. We've been at this for 25 years and branded it as U of M Global in 2017. I also oversee our academic innovation as well as college of professional liberal studies. So it's a very interesting uh, uh, position and it fits very well into this conversation. Very helpful to have all of those resources at my fingertips. Wonderful. Well, uh, I'd love to double click uh, on a partnership that University of Memphis has in place with with FedEx. Um, certainly something that has received a lot of uh, attention in the press. Uh, I'm curious how that partnership with FedEx came together. If you could give us a, a little bit of background on uh, the relationships you've established there and, and what that partnership looks like. Yes, we've had a long-standing relationship uh, with FedEx for a variety of uh, uh, purposes, whether they, they've supported a number of initiatives uh, on campus. But ironically, they, they were looking for an opportunity to use education uh, to improve uh, employee retention at their Memphis hub and wanted to expand to other hubs around the country. And they had, uh, through other contacts, had actually started with conversations with another university. Well, fortunately, in the spring of 2018, uh, that it was suggested that they stop over and see what we might be able to do for them. Well, from that conversation on, they dropped those, those other uh, discussions because we were able to put together a program that, that met their needs, met their expectations, they were very mindful about what they expected uh, to see in this, this program. And again, it was the objective of employee retention that really drove it, that they, they had uh, strategized about it 
So it was very helpful for them to be able to come to us with, um, we, we jokingly call a list of demands uh, that needed to be included in the program. Um, and we were able to then work off of that uh, to design what ultimately became uh, our life program, learning inspired by FedEx, powered by U of M Global. Um, but uh, it really was them taking the initiative to want to pursue a program uh, for their employees. And uh, thank goodness, I applaud them for wanting to use educational benefit, their educational benefit program to do so. What they were looking for, uh, three or four key things was that they wanted their employees to um, experience limited, if any, out-of-pocket expenses. They knew that the population was going to uh, need some kind of support for sort of an earned admission. They didn't want educational history to be a barrier to a pathway into this, this program. They knew because of that, and again, because of uh, the educational history, that there may be some anxiety and that they wanted to ensure that there were uh, wraparound um, uh, services available for that population. So those three things kind of encapsulated a, a variety of others that, that, that were critical. And so we uh, set out to establish a program that could help accommodate that in some cases, using existing uh, resources or uh, things that we do uh, at the university and packaging it together. So we did end up inventing a program and kind of crystallizing all those things together. Uh, but fortunately, we had a direct bill program. We had um, wraparound services that we had already beat uh, 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 melded into U of M Global from onboarding, you know, the coaching, academic coaching, student advocacy through that. The biggest challenge we had really was the uh, the admissions, earned admission process. Uh, that one, that we had to put some work into that one. So tell me a little bit more about that earned admissions process, Dr. Irwin, because sure. uh, it sounds like potentially employees at FedEx might be coming in with uh, wildly different experiences previously in higher ed, you know, some maybe quite a bit, some maybe not at all, and, and certainly different levels of academic preparation as well. Yeah, it, it, that, it, this has really been turned out to be the gem of the program, quite frankly, is what we uh, ended up um, uh, developing, we refer now to as the Prep Academy. And the Prep Academy was a, a mechanism that um, resulted, would ultimately result in guaranteed admission into the institution, no matter their educational background. Um, <clears throat> constructing it uh, was uh, one of our most rigorous exercises. We uh, proposed our provost plus the program uh, when we, we proposed uh, building together four existing courses that uh, were already in our catalog, and um, we, we actually got the uh, uh, course developers, instructors, even I had some chairs and deans all together uh, working on this and we broke up the four courses um, and laid them out based on really a competency-based approach. And, and also course objectives. We found that some uh, had some similarities, so we were able to reconfigure it 
so that it was a sequence, uh, a logical sequence of these courses that um, was relevant and meaningful uh, to the student population. One was our academic strategies course, which 70% of our uh, freshmen take first term that uh, helps somebody study skills, time management, all those critical things that would provide a foundation uh, for academic success. A couple of professional development courses and uh, career planning and, and preparation, and then another a life skills course. Um, and again, all four of those were lower division courses on our, our curriculum. And we were very fortunate that our, um, our, our facilitator for the Prep Academy is a PhD in English. And so we, we uh, made writing uh, across all of that curriculum critical so that once they completed, we'd have a good foundation of all the skills drawn from that uh, to succeed um, as a fully admitted uh, student to, uh, to the institution. Um, after uh, two years of Prep Academy completers, I'm really proud to say that those who have transitioned from prep those 12 credit hours, which by the way, upon completion, not only do they get guaranteed admission to the institution, but those 12 hours are placed on their transcript. So they're not just earning the admission, they're earning those 12 credit hours in addition to it, which is further motivation. But for the, um, for the folks who have transitioned into coursework, they collectively have maintained a 3.0 GPA in their courses. Um, in, in the, the time span that I spoke of in these, these past two years. Now, we could have had a completer in the spring of 19 and a completer in fall of 20. It has a rolling admission. That was another thing that, uh, or roll, enroll, uh, a rolling entry to the prep academy. So if someone is uh, uh, deemed eligible, inquired last week, we verify their eligibility with FedEx this week, they can get into prep academy with, within a week or 10 days and start rolling. So that was great to be able to, to get people into something right away, as opposed to uh, welcoming, welcoming them and tell them classes begin uh, January 19th and we'll see you in about four or six weeks. Um, so that was another beauty to the, the Prep Academy that enabled us on that competency-based level and someone can speed through at their own pace uh, that we were able to structure that again uh, pre-enrollment, because as uh, FedEx alerted us to, we really did have people uh, expressing interest with a variety of educational histories. Um, many had a, a high school uh, diploma and had just not thought about going on to college, couldn't afford it, which is why they uh, ended up in a position at the hub uh, with FedEx. Many might not have uh, met uh, our admission standards or other institutional standards, a large proportion had actually started college somewhere else and or with us and life issues, uh, they, had, they had dropped out. So the prep was a great way for all of those people to get started and also get acquainted with uh, online education. We, we knew that that would be a critical part of it as well because prep and the whole degree program is delivered fully online within uh, U of M Global. We did have a number of students who were junior or senior standing. Um, and so we have subsequently developed kind of a, a, a practice uh, self-paced course for them as well, just so that uh, it can actually some of the same attributes of prep for them. So they can, there's a, a low, no risk opportunity for them to get acquainted with online delivery, particularly if it's been a while. 
um, and then they they move right into uh, to upper division work. But uh, that the, the prep academy is where a majority of the employees have started. We have hundreds right now working on uh, becoming a tiger, uh, moving on to uh, full admission uh, with, with the institution. And it's something that actually our admissions is looking at. They, they want to try to use that for marginal admits and for some other admissions purposes. So we're pretty proud that um, we developed it for the uh, life program. And now it's something that could benefit the rest of the university. Hmm. So, so it's really a framework for rethinking uh, access to higher education, right? And how you're pathing students into some of these programs, regardless of the partnership structure, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. That, that's and wonderful. A great addition. You mentioned the number of folks involved in developing this partnership, thinking about the, the program and the developmental pathway you put in place. So, you know, from department chairs to deans to student support services across campus. Uh, certainly a theme of conversations around working with employers is uh, the, the inclination or uh, really the motivation to be customer oriented and customer centric and be able to uh, respond to some of those needs as quickly as possible at the same time that you're potentially navigating you know, many different organizations or divisions or silos internally within your university. Uh, I'm curious how you navigated that that tension between uh, you know the very strict roles that some folks have on campus and what employers are often looking for, which you know might lean in the direction of something more more customized or or more responsive than what a lot of universities are prepared to offer. Great question, and we're we're really fortunate that um, we have an innovative culture on our campus, and that starts with our leadership, who was um, um, had actually. Uh, alerted me to the fact of what uh, uh, that FedEx was looking at this. A conversation with our is, with our president is where it started, and the heads up that um, a meeting would be uh, forthcoming. And so, obviously, uh, the support from an executive level like that um, enables people to wrap their mind around some of these creative things. But but um, the innovativeness of uh, uh, Dr. David Rudd, our president, has infiltrated the rest of the campus that has has helped uh, dramatically. And then it's a matter of pulling together the parties. And we couldn't have um, uh, made this go without wonderful assistance from uh, enrollment services, the registrar's office in particular, uh, uh, our business office, um, you know, setting up the direct payment, working on the invoices. Um, one of the key things is coding and being able to track students and and just the, the entire process of um, uh, embedding them within our system, those are some of the key uh, stakeholders that we needed to have involved. Uh, fortunately, and one tip for others is that with uh, regard to degree programs and uh, those kind of those options, uh, we, we kept it pretty narrow. We just we really wanted, and again, because of the uh, academic history, the educational history of the population, we we uh, FedEx was very supportive of us uh, placing them the pri the priority or preferred program option being our organizational leadership in the College of Professional Liberal Studies, and there are some good reasons for that. Uh, but it and I get back to those in a second. But to the uh, uh, key point at hand that sort of kept things a little tighter in terms of how many other um, 
academic representatives across campus. We needed to keep that uh, narrow and um, deal with all of the issues of the administrative issues I talked about. Subsequently, we have expanded the programs, but we really needed to keep our focus on working with that academic pathway uh, uh, to begin with. The reason that we felt that the organizational leadership uh, program uh, was uh, a good match for this program and proposed it to FedEx was that it's one of our, if not the most flexible program on campus. So we could, uh, first of all, accommodate um, a lot of uh, transfer credits. And as that's become critically important as we've uh, expanded the life program to now up to uh, uh, 14 hubs around across the country. So now we're having people apply that have no history at the University of Memphis. And so those transfer credits, we needed to have a good spot for them to fit into a, a degree program and organizational leadership fit that uh, just fine. Likewise, a key component of this program is something that already existed, has been at the university for over 30 some years, and that's our experiential learning credit program. Um, much of the training that some of the uh, uh, FedEx employees have received from FedEx, uh, we have had already pre-assessed. That was one of the relationships in, in place with FedEx. And so we were able to convert that to, to college credit um, and saving them a lot of time and money. And so um, uh, the elective base within the organizational leadership program will accommodate uh, an ELC award. Not all degree programs across campus can. And thirdly, as by its name, um, uh, organizational leadership, it allowed our, the students uh, matriculating through the program to take a number of business courses without being a business major, which had at the time a prerequisite of calculus, which was gonna get in the way of their, their success and uh, felt that this was a great way for them to, again, have this uh, flexible, non-traditional degree uh, option and have a pathway uh, to con completion and all of those variables. When we presented it to, to FedEx, uh, they were overjoyed because the title spoke to the employees that they were really trying to develop future leaders within the company. And for a company that has a very rich promote from within philosophy, it aligned uh, with, with that uh, attribute of theirs as well. So it became a huge success. If we have a, a junior or senior who has been pursuing a degree here or somewhere else in another degree program, and they've demonstrated success in that program, obviously by getting to that level of standing, then we there is an appeal option and we can approve them to pursue another uh, degree program. But again, be, the, uh, again, in the beginning, we wanted to keep it a little quite narrow uh, in order to make sure that we were building that successful path to uh, completion. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. Uh, I'm curious, given the flexibility you've built into not only the organizational leadership program, but the whole intake process, the pathways into the program, uh, have you been surprised at all by the characteristics or the types of students that you're seeing enroll? Maybe students who weren't necessarily the kind of target audience for bringing this program together, but folks who see a lot of the benefits involved and, and are very active or enthusiastic about enrolling. We have. We've seen um, a higher volume 
of uh, transfer credits or prior credits than we anticipated. We really were led to believe that most of these folks would have never had any college history. Um, in fact, uh, we had a, a, a couple of very early graduates who, um, when, you, when you take all of the uh, uh, resources and put them together, had even some, some managers who uh, received a, a healthy uh, ELC award. And uh, our first poster child, if you will, is somebody who had um, gone to the University of Memphis or then Memphis State and um, had to quit school at high junior or almost senior standing in the mid 90s to get a job at FedEx, raise a family, and actually had uh, children at the university when he heard about uh, life and the various elements of that, jumped right back into it. And, and exactly a year from the day we launched, he graduated with one of his children uh, in our summer commencement uh, ceremony. So that guy, uh, Joe Kelly, became kind of our poster child for the program because um, all of the elements came into play. There was the direct bill where we were, he wasn't out of pocket for his expenses. We were able to use an existing uh, accelerant uh, ELC to help him uh, get to a good standing. He only ended up with um, three or four courses that he needed to finish. So then we've had several other people um, realize that, that that could be them as well. So we've had a number of uh, quick graduates that had gotten to that position. And, and fortunately, as uh, uh, you all, I think, are, are aware, we have our finish line program, a nationally acclaimed finish line program for those that um, have uh, that fit those parameters, have gotten to senior standing and life got in the way, but those credits are still good. So we can bring them back and help them accelerate completion. So it's Finish Line was another one that if we layer that on top of this, we're really helping folks in this community and others uh, complete that college degree and, and uh, uh, advance their careers. That's a that's a wonderful story about the parent graduating on on the same day, if I'm understanding yeah. correctly. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, I'm curious. So, so what have been the uh, benefits to FedEx? So you mentioned at the outset they were very very interested in improving retention among their workforce. Uh, have they seen that play out over time since the partnership has been in place? Yeah. They, yes. Uh, and we have all made sure that we have kept that uh, front of mind. Is that uh, and I've instilled that in uh, my staff that we have to be incredibly respectful and uh, making sure that we are keeping in mind uh, all of our corporate partner objectives. Why did they get into this relationship? And again, it was that uh, attrition uh, challenge that FedEx was having. The working at the hub is a tough job. Imagine it right now. They are just completely uh, overwhelmed. They've got a peak season on top of a peak season. Uh, this is typically a peak season, and now with a vaccine uh, distribution, it's added another layer of, of peak, and, and thank goodness for their existence. Um, and so, yes, be, not only did they have an interest in just doing this as, as a great benefit for their employees, but uh, they are analyzing data on a regular basis. We meet on a regular basis to discuss <coughs> basically how it's going. And the easiest way to describe it is if, if we have an active participant in uh, life, the retention has flipped. And um, 
prior to life, consistently throughout their hubs, the attrition rate was somewhere around 80%. They were, the cost of retraining employees was astronomical. So that's really the, the impetus for the investment was how can we hold down those, those training costs, get somebody into a degree program and, and dependent on our benefits and stay here and stay focused on job and school going, going together. And um, so, like I said, now attrition in the life program is, has been incredibly low, which means then they're staying in their position to take advantage of, of those benefits. And so we've kind of used that, that it's just completely uh, flipped it. And you look at the numbers, it, it's that 80, 20 uh, principle uh, with respect to participation. So we're delighted because we had no idea, you know, you can't really control that. And, and for it to have worked so well um, has been uh, uh, beneficial and, and a, a success for both parties. And um, so now we keep working on ways that we're going to ensure that, that that continues to happen. And we've also had to be mindful. I mentioned a peak uh, on a peak. That's, that's influenced some of our scheduling. That's influenced our academic planning. And that's also one of the reasons when I go back to the prep academy, we needed to have sort of that self-paced element to it because we had people who started in prep in the fall and building momentum. Remember, it's 12 credit hours. That's a, that's a full-time semester. And that's about how many credits a part-time student who's working, like these folks, is going to accumulate over a year. And so this enabled them to take a short pause during their peak season and then pick that back up in January when things uh, slow down again. We've tried to build in as many of those as possible. The whole degree program is not. We still have most of the credit hours tethered to a semester, but we've we've purposely built in those that we can to meet this typical November to January challenge. Hmm. It's so great to hear that uh, the program has actually uh, provided some of those outcomes, right? It's meaningfully moved the dial on employee retention. I know so many of our own university partners can sometimes struggle to articulate the potential benefits of one of these partnerships to an employer that they're looking to work work with in some way. And so uh, wonderful to hear some of the outcomes on that front. Uh, uh, Dr. Irwin, I'd be remiss in not giving you an opportunity to share what else is going on at the University of Memphis. So I know uh, in some ways this FedEx partnership has served as a proof of concept for other types of employer engagements in your region. Um, I'm curious how uh, that's impacted the perception of the university in your region and what types of employers are coming forward to indicate an interest in in working with you and also how maybe some of those other partnerships differ in terms of their structure or goals from what you've put in place with this life program and, and FedEx. We really have uh, benefited uh, from the success of the life program. Ironically, prior to life, free life, uh, we operating with um, uh, a dean, deans in the College of Nursing and uh, Health Sciences for a, um, a healthcare-related uh, program. We had received a, a collaborative opportunity grant from uh, APLU, and those were my choices because they were being so innovative, and I thought we can create a pathway for healthcare personnel to accelerate completion. And this was in about 2016, 2017. And we'd, we'd worked with a couple of um, 
partners here and had some nice things taking place. So again, that's why life wasn't such a shock. It wasn't a shock to our system because we had already thought that uh, this was a great opportunity. We have a very robust uh, healthcare uh, industry in uh, Memphis. Uh, we were getting a little bit of traction. Well, lo and behold, life comes along and kind of accelerates that. And uh, so healthcare kind of became a, a, a secondary option. Well, on the heels of um, uh, life taking off, um, we were approached by uh, Methodist LeBonner Healthcare because they too had a workforce challenge. Uh, the request was a little bit different in that they, they wanted to have the degree option as, as an educational benefits program, but they also had some um, uh, uh, employment gaps that they wanted to fill through training. And healthcare is ripe for this because they have such rigorous and, and the certifications are so critical. So calling upon those same uh, folks from nursing and, and health sciences, we rallied a team together and built a program for them uh, branded as MAP, uh, Methodist Employees Advancing Professionally, which involved a credit and a non-credit uh, option. The non-credit options uh, that we structured were for uh, surgical technologists and uh, certified uh, nursing assistants. Those are with their, were their two primary gaps. We have had to construct those programs from scratch and meet uh, national and state uh, accreditation standards uh, respectively. Um, that was uh, a heavy lift, but again, we did it in partnership. We had months and months of meetings uh, with Methodist. They are providing the um, uh, uh, field experience, the clinical hours, and these are their employees. And so they are funding it on, on their behalf and there'll be a service component uh, once they're, they're finished, but it was yet another iteration of the key thing was we've listened to these folks. What is it that you need? And let's talk about a way that we can build this um, uh, ramp to uh, success uh, again through, and we, we've got a, a healthy number of uh, uh, Methodist employees on the degree route, but we have uh, our first CNA uh, cohort just finished and we'll start another one in January. And then we have the uh, surge tech is, is a lot longer. It takes a whole year, uh, but we have 25, uh, a cohort of 25 working through that. We have the accreditation visit coming uh, next month. So we, we dove in head first and uh, have gotten after that one. Uh, subsequently, we've been approached uh, by uh, Nike and had an opportunity to work with them. Um, and FedEx really helped bring them along. They have a, they, FedEx is actually who convinced them to come over and visit with us because uh, they could uh, experience the same benefits as us. So it's nice when other partners are selling future business for you. That's amazing. I, I, I admire your team's ability to put together a, a, a pithy acronym for some of these programs. You have uh, MAP for Methodist Labonner, you have uh, Life learning inspired by FedEx um, for FedEx. What role does that type of branding play in how you communicate the about these programs, whether that's with internal stakeholders or you know externally with other prospective partners like Nike? We consider it to be a key component. Uh, first of all, it it uh, makes us a, a, a. I think it helps makes us a 
part of their uh, conversation and a program of choice. For instance, uh, Nike branded theirs as lane four. Well, whether you're on the track or in the pool, the premier lane is lane four. Um, you know, so we used, and, and so that helps folks across campus get acquainted. And then it differentiates us from all the other options. We don't have any exclusivity with our partners. Their employees could still go somewhere else. It would typically be a tuition reimbursement program. Direct bill helps leverage us against that. But just that name and that identity uh, really helps distinguish within their population. And then on campus, it resonates so well, instead of somebody calling up and saying, um, I, I wanna learn more about that, that program you have with uh, FedEx, if they say life, every office on campus now knows uh, what, what they're looking into. Everybody knows what MAP is. Uh, we have something with the uh, City of Memphis called uh, Compete. City of Memphis employees, uh, I actually forgot what all the letters mean, but, but it, 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 every one of them uh, resonates uh, at, at, in both entities, which is critical. Uh, Dr. Irwin, you've shared so much of your, your insight and experience and uh, it's been a great conversation. Maybe as a, a last question to round this out, uh, for all the institutions out there that are interested in breaking into the space, thinking about how they work in uh, more coordinated ways with uh, local and regional employers, what are the one or two key pieces of advice that you would give them about how to get started and, and how to approach this type of work? So uh, do a, a, a triage across campus of what are existing resources that could really make something like this work. We tried to, to limit what we needed to create uh, versus what, what we could use. And again, we're fortunate to have had the culture on campus of ELC, finish line, uh, some of these other uh, options that we could just in, embed into the program and, and make it work. We had a broad implementation team, but a narrow focus. We engaged uh, parties across campus, like I said, from enrollment services to uh, business and finance. And so we, we got a lot of input, but we kept it uh, narrow uh, by design uh, to somewhat limit the, the, the mistakes if you could, if you would. I think that was helpful. Um, ensure, try to ensure that both there's a champion, not only on campus, but at the, with the partner, um, and that really, somebody's got to carry that flag and be as enthusiastic and passionate. Once again, making this a, a, a program of choice um, is critical and building a foundation that's replicable and scalable, something that, that doesn't have to be reinvented, that it might be a slight iteration, slightly different, such as how MAP was slightly different than than life, but there were still um, elements that could be uh, repeated and we didn't need to go uh, uh, back to the, the drawing board. I think more uh, people would probably uncover more existing opportunities on campus that are just underutilized. You know, ELC, credit by exam, all of these types of uh, forms of uh, prior learning assessment, degree programs that have flexibility built into them, all of those types of things are what really makes something uh, like this go, that uh, we're sitting dormant for, at times at the University of Memphis, and now we're all delighted that uh, we got them, uh, dusted them off a little bit and put them to good use. 
Well, Dr. Irwin, thank you so much for, for taking the time to join us and, and share your thoughts and experiences. And congratulations on some of your successes so far. We'll uh, be excited to see what's coming from University of Memphis in the future as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate EAB's interest in our work. Uh, we, we couldn't do a lot of this without your, uh, your help and greatly appreciate that. Thanks again for listening. Join us again next week for a conversation with EAB's community college guru, Christina Hubbard, and Rufus Glasper, president and CEO of the League for Innovation in the Community College. Until then, from all of us at Office Hours with EAB, Happy New Year.